30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard Kombucha. A beverage that's been with humanity for literally billions of years, and yet only in the last two decades has it eked its way out of the cult of hippie home brewers and specialty grocery stores to become a staple in beverage aisles across the land. But what is kombucha really? Is it a cancer cure-all? An aid for whatever digestion woes are troubling you? Or just soda for hipsters? In fact, kombucha is the product of a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast, also known as a SCOBY. This is a city of teeming microorganisms that intake sugar and output acids and other flavorful microbiotic elements that we love and drink down, quaffing mouthful after mouthful, often with ginger or berry or spirulina or whatever other flavors you can cram into those little bottles. I started brewing kombucha last year after I got a birthday present of a homebrew starter kit from my fiancé, as well as Sandor Katz's classic book, Wild Fermentation. I was interested in an alchemical project that I could actually imbibe, rather than just making a bunch of hot lead and having it sit around my apartment, because damned if I can't get that stuff to turn to gold. But kombucha, on the other hand, turned into the liquid gold of a delicious beverage that I could enjoy with friends, mix with alcohol, or just down whenever the thirst overcame me. One of my favorite things about kombucha is the way that its microcosm mirrors our own. Our civilizations, for all their complexity, are simply taking in inputs, whether that's cattle or wheat or solar energy, or petroleum, and putting out outputs. Movies, TV shows, expansion, more human babies. We are all part of the symbiotic web of life, and when you begin to brew kombucha, you really experience that firsthand. My guest today, Rich On, knows more about that than anyone that I know. Rich is the founder of Mambucha, a delicious kombucha beverage company operating out of Greenpoint, Brooklyn, that puts so much love and care into every bottle of booch they brew. At the same time, the Mambucha headquarters is also home to the cultural oasis that is Magic City, which you dedicated listeners might remember as the launch pad for this podcast as a ritual's opening ceremony. So Rich is someone that appreciates culture on both of these levels which is why I'm thrilled to share this conversation with you so that our verbal microbes can eke their way out into your info stream as Rich and I discuss how to create culture. All right, Rich, welcome to Ritual Space. Hey. Rich, old space. 
<laughs> it's it's tough having a name, an adjective or name. Yeah, oh, I'm Devin Person. It, it, it's very easy to make puns off my oh, name as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, also my middle name is Paul, so I've been Dick Peon all my life. Wow, which isn't as bad as my brother Peter, who's been peed on all his life. <laughs> oh, oh, that is good. Uh, what's our magic word going to be? Ooh, magic word is going to be mm, honey. Honey. Yeah. One, two, two three. three. Honey. Sugar, sugar. Oh, honey, honey. And why honey? Honey has become a point of like kind of concentration and fascination with me and, and my life lately. Um, just the, the different varieties of it, you know, the, the, the different, you know, ways in which honey is used in the hive by the bees and by for the mother that royal jelly that royal jelly is where it's at whoa yeah yeah so just an interesting substance i think and i've been working a little bit with it in fermentation and and um with some very interesting results you making me fascinating results it's it's june i mean essentially it's june Mm -hmm. but you know it's using a kombucha culture uh to ferment a sort of like honey broth you know or honey honeyed tea so this is a great. So we're going to talk yeah. about kombucha today. That's the scope for everyone that's confused. <laughs> but uh, this is a thing that I was actually very curious about: is June and kombucha are similar, and then there's like disagreements of like whether they're the same type of scoby or you can train one. Give us the rundown. What's the difference between kombucha and June? Crazy question. It's super complicated. And uh, but essentially, the uh, let me just get the science out of the way. The microbial consortium of a June scoby versus a kombucha scoby versus a vinegar mother versus any other sort of back slopping, you know, biomass is just slightly different. I mean, you kind of, I kind of went down in the gradient also of like complexity and symbiosis, like, you know, June and kombucha have a high degree of, uh, of symbiosis going on between a fungi, uh, yeast mm-hmm. and these cellulosic bacteria um, which are doing things like mainly breaking down sugar and creating a, a grouping of, of organic acids. And, and particularly acetic acid is one, but not the only one. There's glucuronic acid and folic acid and, and amino acids and DNA structuring metabolites. And I mean, just kombucha is such a treasure trove of, of good, yummy things, you know. I'm always bummed to see clickbait about like, oh, kombucha's worse to you than soda. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's not. Nope. It's not. I, for anybody who's worried about that, I just got back from the dentist. Okay. I've been drinking kombucha for half of my life right yeah. now. Okay. And um, doctor's like, yeah, everything's cool. You're clean. Your teeth are sick. You need a water pick for this one area, but otherwise you're good. Yeah. Stable. There's no bone loss. There's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And this was some crackpot clickbait article that I saw. Anyway, I, I digress. But anyway, the, the, yes, the microbial consortium of each biomass or, or, or you know, culture mat is um, is a little bit different and will. and But you can create a library. They're like different cities. It's like L.A. Oh, and Chicago and New York are all different. Absolutely. And they've got different inputs and outputs. It's like different accents from different regions. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, different customs. But you can train a SCOBY to eat 
you know, pretty much any carbohydrate. I haven't start. I haven't really messed around with like agave or, you know, some other, you know, cocoa sugar mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, um, maple syrup is our main ingredient that we use down here in green Pern. And they get a hankering for that particular one, and then it's a mm-hmm. shock to it if you suddenly throw them right. like a curveball with some different. It uh, is a little bit. Glucose. It's it is. Um, it's so tricky. It's so crazy. Like that the the environment that you're trying to create in order to have a successful bloom of this noble, autonomous elixir, this ancient thing that we're all now sort of playing with at home and. Mm you know, experiencing on in the mainstream as something. I mean, I can't not not call it kombucha. I think what you're seeing um, on, you know, the the wall of kombucha when you go to to Whole Foods. It's from the um, kombucha region in France. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's exactly right. Yeah. Everything else is just sparkling bacteria juice. <laughs> yeah. The original uh, valley of kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Um, But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of science that we could that we could talk about about kombucha. I've been blessed to have been um, reached out to by Barnard uh, College, um, part of Columbia University. They're my June to Columbia University's kombucha. Exactly. It's such a great uh, (laughs) correlation. but yeah, they um, they reached out to me, and their students have been conducting uh, research on our our scobies, and so they found that the maple one had certain bacteria in it that the sugar ones didn't. Whoa. And you know, the other interesting result is that you know mint is something that's really antimicrobial, and that we have a such a you know strong you know lineage to our our pellicles, which is like another term for the kombucha culture okay a pellicle a pellicle Pellicle. i've never heard of that yeah it's a great one that's like what they would commonly refer to it as and i think in the lab and in microbiology any like culture mat and there's like millions of them there's vast libraries of like culturing bacteria and Mm -hmm. doing different things to different substrates um kombucha is just one of those things that i like the story that you know it started in a camp in some nomadic tribe and of honeyed tea some kind of precious tea that they were trying to hold on to um because sweet things and honey and all that stuff was kind of of royalty like yeah in, in our you know ancient most ancient dwelling times you know finding honey was like a real luxury so if you had honey tea and you're a nomad you're gonna want to try to hold on to that as much as long as you can and that Somewhere along their journey, they arrived at their location at their next encampment. And then um, they came, you know, they reached into their, you know, goat's bladder, yeah. you know, uh, you know, canteen and found it to have formed this culture mat and then have to, to have drank the tea and found that. It like, oh, no. And they're like, yeah. oh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like a lot of fermentation was just like that. Be like, what? Yeah. Oh, I, think, I mean, I think a lot of human civilization is like that, where it's like, oh, no, my log that I was carving fell in the water. Oh, it yeah. floats. Look at that. Whoa. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that a lot, this element Humanity of moved like forward that. one, hey, hold on, I'm going to try something weird at a time. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that the, the more courage we have to do something weird, the better off that we're going to be as a species. Amen. Let's just put that out there. Um, kombucha on the moon it's happening there is kombucha on mars right now 
Um, oh. They flew some kombucha into space. Some Russians, those Russians, and uh, and they're trying to use it as a um, a substrate, uh, um, as like uh, as you would. Um, like you know, oats. If you're trying to grow mushrooms, yeah, you, you need like sort of a substrate for them to grow around and on the, my, the mycelial network to sort of mm. you know network itself around, and that's what they were bringing kombucha up into the into space to try to oh. do is to sort of almost create uh, this kind of spherical like egg like incubator like in zero gravity of like a biomass that yeah. could create stuff around it like a little mini growing sphere orb whoa yeah it's out there that's I, awesome i'm with all the kombucha future stuff like i really bio materials um amazing stuff i mean and yeah. even just throw your, your scoby in your in your compost you know? so let's pull back yeah. from the kombucha sure. future yes sir. and also from the the distant kombucha past <laughs> and settle into more recent history sure how did kombucha enter in your life and how did you become the uh proprietor of the mombucha kombucha brand it is a now lifelong journey but started about 20 years ago and um it was it was a it was a rough awakening it was a messy moment it wasn't you know (laughs) whiz bang i want to get involved in kombucha today it was um what is this nasty stuff like my mom had had started to brew it for us she was turned on to it by um you know, one of her nurse friends. So, you know, my mom's a healer and an alchemist and a, and hippie mama and um, wanted uh, the best for her kids and wanted to protect their immune systems. Um, she was so compelled by her friend's story of her daughter who had a sort of terminal liver ailment. Um, and the mother, Ruth, uh, discovered this recipe for kombucha and this particular way of making it. Um, which is using four quart Pyrex mixing bowls as your, as your fermenting vessel, Um, which is how we still do it today. Yeah. Um, Just to let you in on a little industry secret there. Um, We do it exactly how you would do it at home. In fact, we make just a scaled up version of a homebrew. Still a lot of handwork. Because there's a limit too, like even Mm -hmm. like GTs and like the big, Mm. big, big booch. Oh yeah, that you can't have it in like a giant industrial vat. You still have to have it in the relatively small exactly. containers to have it work. Yeah, it's true. I mean, a, a kombucha scoby will take up the size of any vessel and shape of any vessel that you put it in, mm-hmm. which is cool magic. Um, but at some point, it becomes unruly. You're yeah. gonna need, you know, a crane to lift this thing off of a nine thousand gallon <laughs> fermenting tank. Yeah. So it seems. I mean, I don't know how GTS makes it. I don't know. I don't. I've heard how health aid makes it um and it's not how i'm doing it so you know we mambucha is just a completely different product yeah um and it's just on its own i guess in uh in in space but i I think what's so great about the kombucha world is that there's so much variety and everybody's kombucha is different Mm -hmm. and everybody brews it a little bit differently and i think that variety and that that constant like just like there's so much complexity going on with such a, an act that seems just so simple. And um, so 20 years ago, mom plops a pint of this like really super strong kombucha in front of us that she had brewed and we hated it. It was my two brothers and my sister and I, and we were just horrified. Uh, we called it Narty. Ooh. We called it F-A-R-T. Yeah. Uh, 
we it was not it was not like a fun thing for us. And then every day, every morning, you know, it was like with life cereal or whatever we were eating. You know, it's like one in the 1920s it was like you got to drink yeah, your cod you liver oil, and this. now it's like, Ugh. yeah. So you got to listen to your Enya and drink your glass of kombucha <laughs> before you go off to school. Exactly. So she then we she improved. Um, at, at brewing and we started to get a taste for it and then 10 years fast forward 10 years i had worked every job from radio to landscaper to you know wherever i was working porn shoot in dallas like you know pretty much any job and i and but one the one thing i had been doing consistently uh was brewing kombucha and it was like for myself and you know my first um, attempt was successful and I was like oh cool yeah. this is great and then I tried making two bowls and I'm like oh crap I have too much kombucha now and I'll just give it to my buddy oh hey dude can you teach me how to brew it sure yeah let's yeah. I'll teach you here's your here's the thing and, and two bowls became four and then four became eight and then eight 16 and then my entire exponential math yeah is covered in kombucha and I'm like building shelves in my closet I emptied out my closet and it's got you know I, I quickly went from it being um just a, a cool thing to an interest to like being an obsession mm-hmm. and I um, was fermenting everything I get my hands on any kind of tea any kind of herb root you know whatever and um, and the whole time kind of taking notes a little bit and like keeping track of like what I was doing and how much things cost and how much sugar I was using and like oh okay this could be something if I wanted it to be but you know it was still just uh, it was like a cottage industry kind of a thing um, and I had a lot of fun with the brand and I had a lot of fun branding, yeah. you know, and um, we make brewing. we make kombucha at home. And that's like our favorite thing is like yeah. coming up with a stupid name. So just write it on masking tape and just like whatever, <laughs> like the flavor we've come up with to have some weird pun and just be like, cool. Yeah. I know. Naming stuff. I was just thinking of a flavor I made re- a long time ago called Lebanese seduction. Ooh, yeah. I'm yeah. half Lebanese. I'm Lebanese and Irish. So I'm a leprechaun. And uh, so. But anyway, yeah, I I found some aphrodisiac that was uh, had some I think it was called like Lebanese bliss or something like that. And you're like, throw it in the pot. But I remember fermenting it. It was this beautiful like kind of reddish rose color, and it had like kind of star anise in it, and like it was very what I would imagine Lebanese seduction to taste like. Um, so anyway, it's fun to name this stuff, and of course, Mambucha has you know the punniest name mm-hmm. in the biz, and. Um, uh, you know, and like all great puns, it works yeah. in so many layers because it's yeah. like your actual mom, sure. and then the mother is the the, the, the scoby, right? And, you know, it all fits together. It does, and that it does make sense, and it's 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 it is what it is, um, which is great. Um, so I'm 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 really like, you know, I feel really dialed in. I feel like that there's um a thing for me to work on with with a dutiful sense every day, and um, you know, I feel like what I'm doing is something good. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's been such a crazy magical journey though. It's a beautiful process because it's, uh, it's, you can't force it. Mm -mm. You can only enable it. It's like you are supporting somebody else doing, or some other thing doing its thing. It's not like I have to be the, the one that's going to get all this done and make this process happen. You just set all the things in motion and then you just oversee it it's it's a little bit like well i now fast forward to now now like today you know we're up at six in the morning uh me and my head brewer justin who's this amazing guy he's keto and he like plugs his himself into like a usb charger to stay alive like i don't know this younger generation they are just 
yeah. they're great. They're animals. And he's also a home brewer and, and crazy like kombucha enthusiast and like has just took to the job and such an amazing with such fervor and such like intellect and, and just kind of foresight. Anyway, he and I are there six in the morning. We're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And we're bustling and hustling and there's like people in there sharing the kitchen and other caterers and stuff like that. And it's like crazy amount of effort for like two hours and then we're done. Yeah. And we're like kind of chill. I mean, there's not a whole lot of chill. I mean, honestly, now at this point we're we're servicing like a lot of places in in lower Manhattan and in Brooklyn and Greenpoint. And got to have that mom boot. We're kind of hustling the rest of the day just trying to get this stuff out there. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's still very much a cottage industry, but I just stopped doing all those other jobs. Yeah. Um, And I just do this. And now my cottage is um, a place called Magic City, which is where the, the whole thing goes down. And, I mean, uh, it's where this podcast went down. This was <laughs> yeah. this was also born out of that, which is one of the other reasons that I wanted to talk to you is, you know, fill yeah. in some of the uh, the details of the world of wizardry in the early 21st century, because Magic City is the hotspot. Wow. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's so it's it's powerful. It's a powerful and sacred place. Um, and it happened with the efforts of many people and the energies of of just many imaginations. Um but I think prismatically reflected through what I was, I kind of was like feeling as what I wanted the space to feel like. And I didn't have really much of like a visual on, on it. You know, whenever, whenever what is the origin the story? Vision. Tell me about how uh, magic city came to be. Sure. Sure. So it came from Mambucha. It's because of Mambucha that I came upon the space and it was this put up or shut up moment in 2013 where uh, my buddy, Jeremy, college roommate from the University of Massachusetts where we all studied quote unquote and um, yeah he and I were working in real estate at the time and the stoneriest real estate agents ever I mean we had I had a blog called Twisted Lister and it basically just like made fun of every (laughs) shitty apartment (laughs) and how expensive it was Um, you know we were just not happy I guess in our lives and in our jobs but Jeremy identified the, the space that Magic City is in right now at 37 Box Street and, and made inroads with Emil, who's the landlord, who is a physicist and a, the, one of the most insane and crazy and hilarious people I've ever met and very sympathetic to what we're doing. So thank you to Emil. Um, and uh, but yeah, we identified the space and Jeremy's like, this is going to be a very sweet place for you to do that kombucha stuff, dude. And I was like, mm, mm-hmm. let me. uh Okay, let's see. Then I came over there that day. Was there a kitchen already there, or was this? So it was. There was a van in the mm-hmm. middle of the room. And a van. A van, and the entire place was caked in spice. Oh my god! Like I mean, it was looked like holy during. It's like, it's like a it rackets. Like, it looked like, yeah, it was like uh, it was it was. Arrakis. It was like a spice hopper from from yeah. from the planet Arrakis, yeah. and uh, and so and but it was there was a spice hopper in there, which is an actual piece of equipment which right. allows you to put spices in a thing and then put them in bags. Um, so the previous tenant was a, a company called um, Brooklyn or sorry Greenpoint Spice Co. Spicy Boys. Yeah, the yeah. Spicy Boys. <laughs> uh, that even better name. Um, and originally we were going to call the space um, Spice House. Ooh. because of the the spice content and yeah. it really smelled like cardamom and cinnamon and it was like really strong um and the, the the ceiling and everything was just like you can still see it if you go in there you can see these sort of like fudge swirls that are going through the like whitewashing that we did oh, and we wow. painted it and cleaned it a thousand times like yeah. 
this was a dirty old garage. That's yeah. really all it was. And um, previously inhabited by Spice Packer. So um, piecemeal over time. Now, like kind of grinding years, 2013 and 14, um, we're throwing a couple of parties, maybe on the new year or like around Halloween or something like that. And we, you know, I start to sort of see like, you know, what I was doing was building a kitchen and mm-hmm. I finished building the kitchen and I was like, this is plenty of room. I can do what I need to do. I have no customers. Um, you know, let's use the rest of the space. What are we going to use the rest of the space for? put boxes in there you know no you know let's have it be a performance venue you know let's have it be a place where bands can play and and mixed use yeah and um you know i guess that variety of stuff kind of just and i think new york is one of the, the rare places on earth where um you know i think where a place will spring up like magic city and there's a bunch i mean there's clubs and and diy spaces all dotted throughout brooklyn and and manhattan and um you know um there are places for you to demonstrate your craft and your interests um in on your terms and there will be someone there who's sympathetic to that and that's like kind of how i go about this whole thing i guess you know if you build it they will come if you build it they will come if you put the the sugar and the tea in the thing yeah like life is going to activate and it's going to happen and it's so interesting because i think cities have that germaphobic idea of Mm -hmm. like we have to scrub all of these spaces out so everything can be clean orderly condos and once you get to that you have a sterile environment where everything's dead it's It's like walking around downtown dallas after seven mm. o'clock you're like oh nothing's nothing's happening no. this is just totally mm-hmm. dead and it's only for one use mm-hmm. it's it's mono purpose mm-hmm. and when you have these spaces that are mixed use and have a living mm-hmm. community that surrounds it it mm. creates something else that then totally that feeds the city yeah it's a bummer about american cities and and that whole sprawling mediocrity it's it's it's, it's yeah. a bummer i i you know I was though in Seoul and Taipei recently and like these are some of the most modern crazy over the top new cities um and we would gravitate to places that were kind of like soulful in the same way that Magic City is and there there are a couple and I think that they sort of like spontaneously spring up by a sort of like primal urge for us humans yeah. to have a place that doesn't feel like we're being you know, that we're exiting through the gift shop or that we're entering through the juice bar or, you know, like, um, after living in New York for a couple of years, I went out with a friend to long Island and we ended up wandering around a mall Mm -hmm. and I was struck by how when you're in New York, you're seeing all kinds of writing everywhere. There's like old deli ads papered over new deli ads, like in the window of the bodegas and it's all chaotic. There's stickers and flyers. There's graffiti. There's just so much visual content that was not planned. It just grew up organically from one person after another, throwing it down. And then in a mall, the only labels you see are advertisements or official, you know, like the one manicured name of the building in front yep. of the place where the building is. Right. There's none of that natural. Directory. The directory. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. none of the natural evolution of like someone drew a weird stick figure mm-hmm. here and somebody else drew a top hat on it and somebody <laughs> else put their band flyer over that mm-hmm. and that got peeled off and then adds up to this whole character that we lack. We have one of those. It's our cork board in our bathroom. And, and I actually had to like 
clean it off. It just got yeah. so caked in like flyer over flyer over thing over business card over like watercolor painting or, you know, and, and that I think is like a, a cool metaphor for the, how the space operates too. It's like, here's another flyer and slap another one on top of that. And then another yeah. one, there's a show tonight and there's a thing that later tomorrow. And like, it's all, and there's people coming in at six in the morning and like, you know, it sounds like madcap, but there's so much peace there and there's so much like love and there's like so much like, ah, oh, gosh, I'm glad I'm here. And it's an oasis. It, yeah. You know, it's definitely mm-hmm. one of the things that when I moved to New York, I, I was dabbling in the stand up comedy scene mm-hmm. and I would see people have such a crappy attitude because being at open mics is the worst. But um, we do an open mic, too, by the way. Yeah, but yours is chill. We're trying to redefine that, but I know what you're saying. But like, there's like the pay-to-play ones. There's like the ones where it's like you're in a venue that doesn't want you there because you're a bunch of cheap, broke comics. So they're charging you $5 to be in the space. And I was like, you know, Mm -hmm. even if this is going to suck, you just have to realize that because we're in New York, this will eventually be the glory days. Yeah. Like eventually people will look back and they're like, dude, yeah, totally. these people came out of that scene. And I feel like every time I'm at Magic City, I just feel like I'm a part of not even one scene, but like so many scenes. Like mm-hmm. there's so many different things that are coming in and out of that space, sometimes even at the same time. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing that people are going to, you know, like the way they're like, oh, CBGBs or the kitchen or the garage or like wherever in the Lower East Side used to be the spot. Totally. It's like I feel like I get to be part of history in the present. It's a very exciting um, feeling whenever I'm there. Well, that's you get it. You know, I mean, I think we're just trying to get people to ask questions. You know, yeah. That you're sort of like you, you get there, and there's like a vintage stationary bike and some like street fine furniture, and you're like, is this stuff being given away, or like, do I <laughs> sit on it, or like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and then like you kind of walk through this door, and then you know, enter down the hallway and then it's like, what hallway? There's like people hanging out like around a, it looks like a bar. And then like you go in and it's just like billowing with like fog. And then, you know, there's this lights and there's crazy music blaring and like, you know, you see there's a wizard. Yeah. There's a (laughs) wizard waiting for you inside. Like what's going on. And, um, so I, you know, the more questions that we get people to ask, I think the better. And people have come, so funny recently somebody came to look at the space and they're like yeah we really want to you know i was at this space and they were doing this thing and they like were giving away mushroom tea and like you know i couldn't remember like really what was happening it looked a lot like this place though and like yeah. over the course of the meeting to finally like you know we finally realized that it was that it was yeah you're like, yeah, I was like, yeah i was like it was, it was probably oh, here yeah, you were here for christmas party yeah that's cool and she's like yeah but it looked so different and i was like what so you know it's it even without me trying each party, each experience, every day, that space takes on a new, like, mise, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, I feel like the guy who um, is just there to repair this, like, sandcastle that this tide comes in and it's like a wall starts crumbling and I'm just there with, like, a fresh scoop. Well, you're very <laughs> much shovel. like a doer. Like, yeah. I've, I've watched you in the space and you don't, you don't stand still very much. Sure. You know, you're going around yeah. and you're tending to this thing and that thing. And then you have such a wonderful host energy where I think, you know, it's it's hard hosting parties all the time. Yeah. Like, that, that yeah. takes a lot. And yet people are like, hey, how late does this go? And you're like, as long as everyone wants to keep hanging out, you know? <laughs> there's none of this, like... Yeah, there's definitely... Non-DIY venues are, yeah. drive me crazy where I went to try and go see a show with some friends at Brooklyn Bowl, I think. And we had to go through like TSA airport security just to get in. I was like, you just killed my vibe entirely. Like yeah. just trying to get right. into this. You don't trust me to I behave. feel like I've been yeah. processed 
and now I'm here to consume mm. alcohol and have three units of fun, please. And fried chicken yeah. and bowl. And yeah, no. And I was like, no, I can't. Mm. I can't. Whereas mm. the flow that's so in and out and natural and fluid mm. where there's the people that are around out front and you have the people that are walking by because there's a hotel down the street and they're like <laughs> looking and they're like, what is this? And everyone's like, come back. <laughs> yeah. This is better than anything else you're going to do nearby. And they're like, maybe we will. Yeah. All the all the nations of the world walk past Magic City because of the Box House Hotel. Thank God. And uh, yeah, like it's 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 such a crazy time. I don't know. You're you're you're. I'm grinning because it's like I'm just thinking back to how accurately um, the energy that you described is, is so constant down there. Um, so I'm I'm happy to watch this thing happen, and I, I'm like out of it. Like I'm I get to demonstrate my thing in there, which is kombucha, and mm-hmm. I can focus on that in there. And then to be able to like allow these events to happen and to be a vessel for those is like such fun. You know, it's just that's the fun part, you know, for me about it. Well, for me, and I'm going to tell a short story because it's my podcast and I get to do that. Uh, But I knew that I wanted to have a release party for this podcast Mm -hmm. because I was coming up with this idea and I knew that I couldn't sit in a room by myself and and give the talk that I wanted to give. I needed that social energy. And Mm -hmm. my friend had run a space called Terror Society in Bushwick for a number of years that had been really great to do stuff at, but it had closed down. And I was really not that stoked about the other spaces that were on my radar. Mm. I'm not going to name any names, but there's a couple more more bougie new age spots in Manhattan that I was like, I don't want to deal with whatever their logistics shit is. And I don't Uh, like their energy and I don't want to give them my magic. And I like, where am I going to do this? Am I going to do it in a friend's apartment? Like, how is this going to work? And I've been very chill about it. Like I'll let it happen. But I was getting to the point where I was like, this is like almost a month out now. Like I really need to start promoting. I need to figure this out. Right. And I was walking down the street that morning, like thinking like, I really need to get on the ball and figuring <laughs> this out. And then a flyer just popped out from a, a pole as I walked down to go on, get on the G train. And it was for a dance party at magic city. <laughs> so I see that it's this dance party flyer and I stop and I look at it and it's like no cell phones on the dance floor. And I'm like, yo, that's cool. <laughs> like, what is this? And then I see magic city with like the CK and I was like, yeah, this is going to be it. And I was like, no, 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 no. Don't get your hopes up. And I was like, let me go. Let me let me check this out. So I get to work and I Google it and I see some article about it. And it's like, here we have a kombucha kitchen that is also performance space that's called Magic Fucking City. Mm-hmm. And it's run by this dude that like just clearly gets. And I look at the Facebook page and you had some sort of mushroom ceremony where you were like literally in the flyer like, hey, everyone, we're trying to do this cool thing. You need to be chill. Like, don't ruin this for other people. Like, and I was like, this is so great. And I reached out. And as soon as we hung out, I was like, this is the spot. And then great, that's that's now part meeting, of this yeah. podcast is a ritual history. It's where we we launched the ritual and the vibration through time and space and continues to be an anchor with uh, the wizarding hour, which has been a lot of fun to get up and running and see what weirdness we can create. That story reminds me kind of like every year when it's my birthday, like my mom tells me about the story, like how I was born and everything. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. That story is so cool. That is the birth of all of this right now. It's it's why it's, we're in this moment. It's the it's, genesis of this reality. It's so crazy. So, well, I'm honored. And um, I feel also like, yeah, lots of symbiosis. You know, our bacteria and our yeast are very tolerant of, of each other. Um, 
I think it's fucking cool as shit. What are some of the favorite events that you've had? Like, or like moments, not even like you have to name the events, but like, I mean, that series of events was really cool that you, that where you caught, got involved in, um, or a wizard showed up. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you've added to it and, and brought it to another full on dimension that I think is like appropriate beyond, you know, any of my ever expectations. Um, you know, for us to have our resident wizard is like, you know, never could I have ever hoped to have a wizard reside in a magic city uh, with all of my, you know, foresight and, and, and intent, uh, you know, and, and energy and, and everything. But but my favorite thing is like, yeah, I love the Universal Love Party. It is so fun. Um, mm, that one's- Barbie and Paul are so great. And we really just love to just be enthused by their crazy enthusiasm and their wonderful selection of music and, and disco and just deep cuts, um, soul and, and it's all over. There's classic rock going on. So I went yeah. to the party that was on mm-hmm. the flyer that I saw because of course I had mm-hmm. to, it was a mm-hmm. spiritual calling and I had been at so many other, like it hadn't been my main scene, but I've been at a lot of other dance parties in New York so mm-hmm. far. Mm-hmm. And I'd had the problem again and again where it felt like I was on, um, like on a crowded train platform, like everyone was trying to walk from one end of the room to the other and back and forth. And if you look at it from afar, you're like, whoa, that's a mm-hmm. lot of people partying. But if you're in the moment, you're like, everyone's wandering around trying to figure out where the spot is mm-hmm. and they're on their phones. And there is no spot because I can't dance with the person next to me because yeah. someone's going to walk across us right. every two seconds. Just I can't get in the groove. Snaps. And yep. then I walked into Magic City, which is a fraction of the size (laughs) and everyone there was on the same wavelength. Everyone there knew what they were there to do and they had the space Mm -hmm. to go talk and make those connections, which Mm -hmm. I think is very important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of things in New York where it's so goal oriented. It's like you have come, you've seen the show. Now it's time to leave. Mm -hmm. That it's like, well, as a human being, I also want to like meet people at the show and like, have fun interactions and mm-hmm. like talk about conspiracy theories at three in the morning and then like get someone's number and like make out and like yeah. all of the fun human stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's people out front that are like smoking cigarettes and chatting and the whole fluid flow, no matter where you are, you're in the place to be. There is no like mysterious other spot. Like you're it. You're always it. You're always in it. It's always right there. And the song is getting better than the last song that just blew your mind. You know, I I wish that those giant places could sort of honeycomb themselves out maybe in a way that would be more conducive to, you know, that kind of like commingling. Like you and your Pyrex bowls. But yeah, it's like, you know, what my ultimate dream actually for a fermentation um, wall is that of like, you know, hexagons with like all of these bowls in them embedded in them airflow, and like some way to empty them and like with one lever, like some incredible future steampunk well you've put the dream onto the airwaves so (laughs) yes make that well that was funny like that the wall that people walk through that hexagonal wall that we have at magic magic city kind of was like that i wanted it always to be some kind of like functional fermentorium if possible but um honeycomb hideout yeah but uh yeah the, the the designer nancy kim who uh mit architecture grad and just she I think works for Ace Hotel now and um, she's the one that really put the lines to the paper on that and um, made actual you know real 
sculpture appear. Um, and then Safwat, Safwat Riyadh, Saf, um, who's, you know, knows the secrets of the Egyptians, he being Egyptian himself, uh, was the one who constructed it and is, is a sculptor in his own right and wow. does incredible work, uh, metalworks. And we, you know, we all were working with these materials kind of, uh, at least the polycarbonate multi-wall, which is that like kind of plasticky, yeah. like kind of stuff, that translucent stuff that's in the middle of it. Um, but it was all like kind of, you know, if I couldn't do the fermentorium, at least we can do something with hexagons. Oh yeah. yeah. You like, got the, these guys, you took, got the vibes the for sure. I, I mean, I think there's an interesting thing that I was talking mm-hmm. about with my fiance the other night yeah. is in this era, everyone's so concerned with their personal brand and it's like, you know, whether it's their music project or their art practice or whatever it is, everyone's promoting something. Mm-hmm. But the people that I see that I think are the most successful are the ones that are creating connections and helping other people. Where yep. it's about like, you know, here's my list of awesome things to do in the city. Here's my space where you can do your thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can do your thing with your friends in my space. You can quit your job and come here and, and come here. Start your business. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's. That is so important, um, and it is the core of what the hell we're doing over there. And you know, I say we because there's 13 people working in the kitchen. That's yeah. 13 companies all sharing the space. Wow! And we do it with grace, and we do it with um, with sanctity. You know, there's just so much humble and gracious and just exuberant hustle going on in there and um exuberant hustle i like yeah, that it's 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 wonderful we're all hugging each other all the time we're rooting for each other we're trying to make sure that you know everybody's stuff is okay when they come in later it's this incredible like you know paying it forward i guess is the thing or you know it's like buying somebody their starbucks before you know in the drive through lane you know like like keep that going you know well i think it's a very it's a, it's a tone that you've created and you've set i mean mm-hmm. i i really want to give you as much credit as i possibly can because mm-hmm. i think that leadership doesn't have to be about barking orders at people it can be about setting an energy and if you were you know if interacting with you was like hey did you lock up the space have you done the thing like what's going on blah 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 blah. it would be a totally different vibe for everyone that's trying to interact with it and instead it's just so welcoming you're like hey come on by i'm gonna have to run early but like you can handle it you know yeah here's the keys to the spaceship have fun yeah i first encountered um the freedom to feel that way in berlin Mm. Yeah, that was the city and the vibe that kind of gave me a blueprint on how to allow things to happen and allow people to demonstrate um, their ability to behave themselves. Yeah. (laughs) And for me to always just be like everyone has equal um, opportunity and entitlement to be in here and even the most obnoxious dilettantes who kind of waltz through and you know throwing their credit card around and and you know barking obscenities at people even they are greeted with some love and compassion um and i've seen it all but you know fortunately that's a very rare occurrence because there's a ph you know it's like the kombucha we're going to come back to this metaphor again and again but it's like there's a ph that's set so it makes that behavior unacceptable if you have another situation where you've set the ph as enforced servitude by employees to entitled customers then the chill vibes get washed out and they don't survive there and the the negative harsh energy is like saturating the place and when you have the opposite then 
someone who wants that kind of service is not going to get it and they're going to be annoyed and they're going to leave and it's like goodbye yeah there's a great book by the owners of the of this place called Cafe Gratitude in LA. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of that place? I've been to it where you like yeah. you're like I am an awesome and wonderful person <laughs> yeah. and can I get that with a side of I'm good in bed? And they're like, "Yep." <laughs> that is a totally awesome um way that they run their business and they wrote this book called Sacred Commerce. Mm. And it kind of goes deeply into that kind of ethos of setting that pH um you know, in your business. And it's, it's, you know, I, you kind of have to kind of like dig through a lot of like new agey sounding stuff, but to get to the core of their matter. But, um, you know, it's saying to sort of, you know, you got to kind of embrace capitalism and embrace commerce, but, um, you know, make it be like an opportunity for everybody, you know, and, and, um, avail yourself. And it's constantly like, you know, well, why are you here? You know, what are you grateful for? You know, it's like kind of keep, keep resetting that that um i think you know it, it feels like an, a, an ethereal energy or some sort of thing driving force you know to just why to are you here is such a great question yeah. in anything you know yeah. like if you're at the party and you're grumpy mm-hmm. why are you here yeah you can go home there's a bunch of stuff on tv it's totally fine it's all good like we'll still be doing this at another time this is not the right night for you yeah, yeah. absolutely um yeah and i think yeah i i, I think people I mean, we're, you know, we're blessed to, to, to be able to utilize a space like Magic City. I feel as blessed. I don't know. You know, it's, it's a thing that I've put a lot of love into and I'm very proud of it. Um, but I'm also just like in awe of it at the same time, you know? So let's, let's talk magic. Yeah. Yeah. Ready. So we like to come up with a free spell that all of the listeners can tune into. So for the ones that live in New York, contemporary uh, contemporary to us, so 2019, mm-hmm. come to Magic City. Like, no, duh, come to the Wizarding Hour, come hang out, like, join the community. That's yeah. a, that's the, the, the obvious spell. But for people that are in other times and places and they're like, oh, man, mm-hmm. so cool. Now we live under a hot rock <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the apocalypse. You know, but they still, I think, can embody some of these things. What is a what is a spell that we can give can to we, those people? How can we help bring them, this energy to them in? Yeah, the help them create culture or make kombucha. We can we can we can do it literal or metaphorical. Well, if you are making kombucha and it is the apocalypse right now, you guys are definitely in a safe place because the person who's brewing is probably a hardcore survivalist and he or she was probably the first person you called when the apocalypse went yeah. down. Right. So, Hey guys, we're here. We're with you right now. Yeah. Um, if there are any brew tips that I can recommend to you in these conditions that, you know, first of all, keep it away from the window. I can only imagine the UV rays are going to be pretty harsh. Yeah. Um, unless you guys have invented some cool biomaterial that you can use on window glass that kind of changes, you know, light waves yeah. and, um, you know, can, can assist you in your, in your endeavors. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine that this vibe, despite the apocalypse, I know it's hard. I know you guys are munching on roaches, but if there are kombucha, if there is kombucha to be consumed, um, we are sharing this same experience with you here back in time oh yeah. yeah maybe like maybe we can come up with like a kombucha sharing ceremony like you know like sharing water yes. kind of thing yeah let's do it so what's what's the kombucha sharing ceremony look like okay the kombucha sharing ceremony 
is let's keep it simple right. so people can do it with like you know a friend right right so, or a room full of people but we'll let them scale it sure so you know you need to somebody needs to tell you what they want you to brew so you can't come up with the recipe they have Ooh. to tell you what their blend is yeah. okay and it could be anything and then it's your job to figure out then you know what's the best way to brew it you yeah. know so bring it out all of your knowledge of you know tea brewing and any of that science knowledge that you ever just do it with love yeah and then put it all in there especially love yeah put it all into that vessel and brew it get it nice and cool strain it out back slop your scoby and and you know it's then there's like kind of some chill time so seven days is usually what we recommend seven days Oh really? Time. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Um, seven to ten. Oh. Seven to ten. Um, but it, it's if you're using the bowl, use the four. Th- this is uh, okay. all around the bowl. So the four quart Pyrex bowl. You know, you got about two cups of sugar per for about three quarts of water, and you know, I like to bring the bo- the sugar and the water to a boil together to yeah. create a really diffuse, mm-hmm. um, you know, almost simple syrup. Yeah. Um, but not too sugary. Too right. sugary of an environment is antimicrobial, so yeah. be careful. Um, so you want to get that nice diffuse sugar and water mixture. And, you know, some things like to be steeped cold. Some things like to be steeped hot. Roots and gnarly things that are hearty, they can go at a higher temperature. And things that are more delicate, like flower buds and green teas mm-hmm. and lighter things, they want to be lower temperature or even cold. Um and then with kombucha, you want to make sure that the flavor is going to come through. So whoever gave you that recipe, you want to make sure that it tastes really good and strong because there's all these acids that are forming during fermentation that are going to be involved in the flavor afterwards. So you want that tea to be steeped all the way out. Um, but, but don't forget to rinse your tea because teas and roots and herbs and things they come from the store they came from the ground they came from a farm maybe you grew them yourself so you know where they came from but if you don't the best thing to do is to give them a quick blanch you know that sort of will kill any molds or anything like that may inhibit the regeneration of your scoby in in the brew and um so it's that second infusion and you let it steep all the way the hell out 24 hours even if you want let those bowls chill um, until they're about, you know, at least 90 degrees. The, sc- the SCOBY won't yeah. survive in anything over that. Um, so let it go chill down to 90. Um, and that's like kind of on a hot day. You know, yeah. you're hoping that your inside temperature is never going to elevate above even like 85 is an right. okay fermentation temperature. But ideally, I mean, we keep ours at 72. And that's our, you know, that's what gives us a seven day uh, mm-hmm. thing. Um, so y- y'all in the tribe waiting to you know partake in this in the sharing ceremony you have given yourselves the you know seven day observations you've done all of your you know at each day to the planets you know drawing the energies from each one and saying the prayers for each day and by the time you make it to the seven you'll you'll then you can go and observe the scoby some people like to check on it while during it and they taste it and everything. i'm like you know what be confident that what's coming is going to be all those things that you put put into it. And if it doesn't, no big deal. You know, that's the universe telling you that, that giving you another lesson. So, um, but this now seven days are up going back to the bowl. Everyone gather around the bowl. Everyone hold hands. Okay. And then whoever 
gave you the recipe must reveal from the cover cloth, remove the cover cloth, which, which I recommend using butter muslin. If you can ever find it, it's a great organic, um, very low lint material with, um, a lot of thread density. So it's, it's great for any kind of airborne, you mm. know, pathogens, keeping them out. Um, and any critters Letting that want to do it, but keeping it right. Covered, it's it's yeah. a great breathable fabric and it's a great, um, it's great stuff. So I, I use uh, butter muslin, but you can also just rip up a t-shirt. Jersey cotton's awesome. Yeah. Throw that stuff over the bowl. Get get yourself a seven inch or an eight inch rubber band. Yep. And um, that's what you uh, should have been using. And then just to bag up before you, you know, you had your chilled out tea, strain it, throw the scoby in there. Four ounces of previous kombucha from another batch. Yeah. If you don't have previous batches, your first batch. You can use white vinegar. Mm. You can use GTs, Kavita, Health Aid, whichever one's yeah. out there. Um, well, that's I, the beautiful thing about Booch yeah. is that it's like you mm-hmm. give it to somebody else, and then when somebody starts making it, they're like, "Yeah." Facebook post comes in about like two <laughs> months later. Like, yeah. does anyone want a scoby? Yeah. I'm literally got like ten scobies. Yeah. Well, you can um, you can compost them. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, know, you, don't <laughs> you, you feel learn too that's bad. a lesson that you yeah. learn is that like you can get rid of scobies. It's not the yeah. Other you world. can get rid of scobies, but you can also dehydrate them and you know crunch them up and put them in a salad. You can make paper out of them. You can Whoa. make yeah. There's people making yurts out of them. I mean, that's yeah. another thing I want to work on is making a, a kombucha yurt, wow. fermentation yurt, yeah. um, somewhere in the tropics, like a um, handbag, like a putting that another idea out there, stretched, tanned, yeah, leathered. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's Burning handbag. Man. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> all right so so they've got the boot right so we're all now joined hands mm-hmm. that's being revealed boom what what's been revealed hopefully you've got a perfectly moon colored scoby bright and without blemishes and um that's when this symbiosis and all of this all the energy and and sounds that the scoby heard over the course of the seven days any arguments that may have happened around the yeah. fermentation vessel you know any beautiful music that had been playing um at an event or something or around you somebody's playing it on the radio um somebody cried because they lost their pet or something yeah. like that you know that's all now in the brew so you know and imagine that imagine that when you're sharing it imagine like all the possibilities that could have happened um, during the the rise the rise of this of this brew, and uh, and then I I like to use little punch glasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got you know grandma's old punch glass, you can grab an old punch glass, and then keep scoby in there. Just dip your glass right on top of the scoby, and you'll get a nice filtered, naturally filtered glass of crystal clear kombucha. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not carbonated, but traditionally kombucha is not a carbonated uh, beverage, y'all. Yeah. Um, it is a tea, yeah. and it is to be dry, you know consumed at room temperature at that temperature that the scoby was gave was given rise to. And pinkies out, yeah, pinkies out. You know, give it a nice sip, and I'm I'm almost certain that what will come out will be sweet ambrosia in the Garden of Eden. Thank you, Rich. <laughs> Thanks, Devin. To learn more about Rich's beverage cultures, visit mombucha.com. And for more of Rich's human cultural, visit magic, that's M-A-G-I-C-K, dot city. And to partake in the cultural exchange of this podcast as a ritual, 
where we turn human energy and attention and word of mouth praise and your ears listening to our vibrations and occasionally your love manifesting as a $4.20 donation to our Patreon, visit patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual. And since we're on the other side of our 69 ceremony, I'm excited to announce that the Patreon is going to become more active and more live than ever before. I've got a great slew of hypnosis downloads and private rituals and bonus content that's just going to be pouring in to that festering, microbial, magical mass of patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual from here on out. Because we, like you, are growing every day in every way, getting better and better. I'm your wizard, Devin Person. Keep your culture thriving. <laughs>